0: Hello again, everyone, and I, welcome to the Chris Cast. I'm your host, Chris. Joining me once again by Facebook Messenger is Paul. Say hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. I'm going to start out with a, a good uplifting story this week. I don't know if you saw it, but this was on MSN.com. I saw the news report from ABC News. It was a six-year-old boy got to make a wish. He became a UPS driver. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, it was... The story, the story on MSN reads, A six-year-old boy had his wish of becoming a UPS delivery man granted on Thursday when he got to deliver a little hope to the city of Stockton. Matteo Toscano was diagnosed with leukemia back in 2017 when he was just a toddler. He endured years of chemotherapy, but has completed his treatments and responded well to his in-home physical therapy. During the stay-at-home orders, Matteo became friends with different delivery drivers that would frequent his neighborhood. When he was asked what he wished for from his local Make-A-Wish Foundation chapter, Mateo said he wanted to be a delivery person just like his new lockdown buddies. And I think his mom works at Macy's, so they had him deliver packages to Macy's and uh-huh. a, a replica UPS truck for him to drive. Ah, that is Got so Got his little cute. uniform and everything. Oh, that is so cute. So, if you anybody out there hasn't seen the video, I highly recommend it. It it will bring tears of joy to your eyes. It was such a good story. I'll have to look it up. But yeah, I, I saw that and I instantly went looking on face on the internet so I could share the story on Facebook so people could see it and it just it really did bring a smile and a lot of joy to me that day when I saw it. And the the report I actually saw on Mother's Day, so. It was a good day for it. Yes, it is. But then from the heartwarming to the terrifying, this is from Yahoo News. I don't know if you saw it. It was in China. Man left dangling from bridge after glass breaks. It was one of those glass bridges they have in China. And the glass broke. And there is a picture of him... Clinging to the side with the opening underneath him.
1: There's no way in hell you will ever catch me on a glass bridge. No.
0: This is a perfect example of why not to. Because, for one thing, it's open to the elements, so the sun's going to bake the glass. The wind and the rain and the cold and the rain and the ice and all that will help deteriorate the glass. So you've got to find something that is virtually indestructible. So basically, we need glass from Krypton to build these bridges with if we're going to do them. Shoot, glass made out of diamonds? Yeah, I don't think they'll be paying that much. But I don't think they're going to find any glass from Krypton either, so... There is no way
1: I'd ever walk across the sky bridge made out of glass. No way. No.
0: But it says the... No. The bridge was 100 meters high, and for us stupid Americans that don't use meters, 330 feet. No. So way up there. That is way
1: too high. That is like, um, let's see, one story is 10 feet. So that's like 30 stories up. Mm-mm.
0: Well, it says it is thought that China has about 2,300 glass bridges and a number of glass walkways and slides. Walkways on the ground, that's one thing. The sky but, bridges? But, no. Yeah, not, not going across the glass bridge.
1: Give me give me wood, give me steel, give me something. I'm not walking on glass.
0: So, all of it, but you can repair the concrete and steel much quicker than you can the glass. And the glass can go very quick. Like, Could you imagine the
1: thought going through his head when he heard that start to crack and shatter? Mm.
0: All I know is was this picture fat? of him okay, cleaning. can I ask a question? Was he fat? And he doesn't look like... I mean, it's not a great picture on this shot, but he looks like an average-sized man. And he is literally wrapped to the side holding on for dear life. Did he, did he live? I'm guessing, because I don't think they would have released the picture if he hadn't. Firefighters rushed to the scene to rescue the man. However, he managed to get back to safety himself with the help of on-site staff, Xinhua News Agency reports. So he got himself back onto a solid foundation, but still. Well, which was probably more glass. Yeah, I mean, he's it looks like he's kind of in the middle of it and there are several places like there's it looks like there's solid behind him and one in front but then one two three at least four slats in on the other side in front of him that were nothing just empty slats
1: the only way I'd ever walk on a glass bridge is that we'd have to have some kind of metal mesh in between the glass or something. That's yeah. the only
0: way i do it. Uh, don't, don't catch me on it. That's all I'm saying.
1: Hmm.
0: Mm-mm. No. No way. Yeah, I'd I definitely... Not even a chance...
1: I don't care if it's like, you know, walk across this glass bridge and you get to the other side within five minutes. But if you don't don't want to do that and you've got to walk 45 minutes to get around it, I'm doing the 45-minute walk. Yep. (laughs) Right around there.
0: I'd rather swing like Tarzan than try and walk across a glass bridge, I think. (laughs) You're so
1: stupid. (laughs) I can see you doing that, Chris. With your uh, leopard skin outfit on. Watch out on, for that uh, tree!
0: With
1: your uh, baton suit leopard skin thing on going. Oh! Over the other side.
0: George, George, George of the Jungle? Oh my god, I have not even thought
1: about that. I have completely forgot about George of the
0: Jungle. Oh, how can you forget about George of the Jungle? It was wow. Great animation. Weird Al Yankovic recorded the theme song on his album. Brendan I'm Fraser played that. the live-action version. I mean, there's just so much to love there. Yeah.
1: Wow, I totally forgot about
0: that. But Moving on. This, this was another good story that I found this week. Did you see that Mattel is now recycling toys into new toys? No, I didn't. This is from CBS News. You can now send old Barbies and Matchbox cars back to Mattel and they'll turn them into new toys. You no longer need to worry about your old toys ending up in landfills. Now there's a way to recycle them. Mattel has launched a recycling program to extend the life of its worn and cast off toys beyond just one family. Mattel announced Monday a toy take-back program designed to recover and reuse materials from old Mattel toys and to make new ones. The company has a goal of using 100% recycled, recyclable, or bio-based plastic materials in all of its products and packaging by 2030. So, here's a company trying to make the world I mean, better. Do,
1: what do they do? Do they just like, melt down the
0: plastic to make more toys? Or well, are they just like, taking parts of the toys and making new parts? New, well, I'm thinking the Barbie hair can be recycled, and, of course, the plastic can be melted down to, to yeah. create new. And the, the cars, at least when I was playing with cars, they had a lot of metal in them, too. So, there's a lot to recycle there.
1: Does Mattel own um, Hot Wheels?
0: Uh, was that one of them? Matchbox.
1: Well, Matchbox owns Hot Wheels. That's what it is. Matchbox owns
0: them. I thought Hot Wheels was a separate company. and It was Matchbox and Hot Wheels were the two big ones. They
1: merged. I did that. Matchbox and uh, and Hot Wheels merged. Yeah.
0: It's been a long time since I've played with cars.
1: So, the only reason why I know this is because one of my friends is a huge collector of Hot Wheels. So, uh, uh, the only reason why I know that they merge is whenever he is talking about it. Well, that's cool that
0: they're doing that. Well, here's something else that's kind of weird. It's at the end of the article. It says, Toy publication Kids Screen reported earlier this year that the next big trend for environmentally conscious parents could be toy rental programs. And that just seems like a bad idea. Toy rental? Yep. Like the... Who would want to do that? The recycling, I can see, is a great idea. The toy rental, after the first or second kid, I don't know that you want to get them anymore. Because I know for me personally, I was rough with a lot of my toys, and I still tried to take care of them. And a lot of them broke and lost pieces and everything else. And what fun is a broken toy? to the Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah, but so I, I don't see toy rental programs really kicking off. No. Now, you know, if it's some kind of like Blockbuster where you go rent you know, rent a video game or whatever it is, yeah, whatever. But Well, that's toys? not... Video game's not really a toy. I
1: know what I'm saying is, you know, I could see you doing that, but It's just strange.
0: But, of course, I got a couple COVID stories here now. Of course, today, the CDC announced new guidelines. They're now saying that anyone who has been fully vaccinated can go indoors or out without the mask. I will still wear my mask as long as the mandate's in place. I don't know after that. Because everybody's like, well, how are you going to know and all this? I'm like, well, you know, it doesn't matter. The people that aren't going to get vaccinated aren't going to wear a mask. So it's not going to be any different. And it helps prevent you spreading it more than it helps prevent you catching it. So you're helping those people not get it, but not so much yourself. Um, yeah, well, let, let's just talk about that for a second.
1: Um, I'm not mentioning any names. I do know of someone right now fighting for their life in the hospital. Um, avid Republican, avid Trump supporter, totally against the mask, posted about it all the time on Facebook. Thought at first, just like anyone else. Trump supporters. It was was told it was it was the flu. That's all it is. Now they have been in the hospital for over a week and a half, in a coma, upside down, on a vent, on oxygen, and as of yesterday, they did not get him to respond to a light shining in his eyes. So he's literally fighting for his life right now. Because. Um, he was
0: one of those who thought COVID was not real. Well, and so that—that's the problem too. Is people are believing politicians instead of the actual science, and that's why I keep pointing out to people: is if you're in a bad car wreck, who do you want treating you—the ER doctor or a politician? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing.
1: But so, as of today. There was a good, uh, slightly better report. His oxygen levels is coming up. They were at 40%. Now they're coming up to, um, they were up right below 70% today. And they said tomorrow they're going to start taking him off some of those sedatives that's got him into a coma and try to, and try at least to wake him up to see what he's going to do.
0: Hopefully hopefully he pulls through and hopefully learns the lesson from it. It's a hard lesson to learn, but hopefully. I know everybody's like, "It's, it's a low percentage of people dying. I'm like, one, why are you happy that people are dying? Two, when you look at the per person death rate, it's one in less than 570 U.S. citizens have now died to it. I think it's getting down close to one in 560 U.S. citizens have died from it. Yeah. And, and
1: people are still dying with it, even though the numbers have improved drastically about the infection rate. But people are still dying.
0: Well, and then you also look at India, which is having a massive surge. Over 400,000 cases in 24 hours. And... John. To top it all off, they had a fire in the hospital that killed a bunch of people that may have survived if they had not had the fire get them. I didn't see that part. Yeah, that was... I think it was a couple weeks ago now, but there was a fire in at least one hospital in India, maybe two. But it killed like 29 patients, and I think they were all COVID patients. So...
1: Speaking of fire, yeah. Did you see on Twitter what happened to that Hummer?
0: Oh yeah, we'll get to that in a minute (laughs) because that's just stupid people. But hold on, just (laughs) but the the other COVID story I have is from Yahoo News. And it's credited to USA Today within Yahoo News. It says, McDonald's is bringing this COVID-19 vaccine awareness message to its coffee cups and Times Square billboard. McDonald's is teaming up with the Biden administration to raise COVID-19 vaccine awareness and help customers find vaccine appointments near them. The fast food giant announced Tuesday it will promote the White House and Department of Health and Human Services, quote, we can do this campaign campaign on its Times Square billboard later this month and on McCafe coffee cups and delivery orders at all US restaurants starting in July. The revamped McCafe co- hot cups and new McDelivery seal stickers will direct customers to vaccines.gov to learn more about how they can find vaccine appointments near them and protect themselves from COVID-19. Just imagine if this had been done a year ago. Like Exactly. Oh, uh, and uh, Presidential administration working with a fast-food franchise that serves billions.
1: You know what? It it would have actually worked because he already served McDonald's at the White House.
0: Yep. Why why get a fancy meal when you can get hamburgers from McDonald's for all your sports players that are coming in? Yeah. But, I mean... Quite honestly, McDonald's is a very successful business. A lot of people go there for food. And, of course, there's also the issue of the unemployment right now that people are complaining about. But I looked it up. North Carolina, which is where we're at, 3.8% unemployment. Last year, North Carolina, 3.7% unemployment. So that right of there tells you It's not that people are not willing to go back to work because they're getting all this extra on unemployment, because it's people who were unemployed to begin with, but it's people do not want to take these menial jobs that don't get paid well, and they get treated like like crap, not necessarily from the company, but from the patrons of the company, because I've worked fast food. You've worked fast food. You know the patrons are crappy to the employees. And you have to take it with a smile. They're mean. Even and though, you know,
1: let's see, um, McDonald's is starting their employees out at $14 an hour now. Um, Jack in the Box is starting their employees out at $14 an hour now. Um, KFCs is advertising $13 an hour. And it's like, you know, that's... Not too bad for fast
0: food workers. I mean No. But I mean, you everybody's like, oh, they they'll make all the prices rise and all this. Well, it's been proven in other countries that raising the minimum wage does not cause prices to go up dramatically. And they're also it's the they gotta have something to complain about syndrome. They complain that people aren't willing to work these jobs for this menial pay. But then they complain that these people working these jobs don't deserve a living wage. Okay? You don't have anybody to serve you in these restaurants because they won't work such a crappy job for low pay. But you're mad that they won't work because you're going to treat them like crap the whole time. And they don't get paid enough to deal with it. When they can go out and find a job that pays better. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. And people aren't looking at it like that. It's like, oh, I'm going to complain about them making too much money, and I'm going to complain about them sitting at home doing unemployment, which, as I just said, the unemployment rate in North Carolina is back to 0.1% of what it was before the pandemic. So Did you see um, the big article today, um, Amazon's going to be, hiring another 100,000 people. No, I did not. And did you see where they're
1: starting their people out at now?
0: Probably a lot because Amazon embraced, has a lot of money.
1: They've raised it to seventeen seventy-five an hour
0: now. I might go to work for Amazon.
1: So that's working inside their distribution, you know, like in their yeah. areas that distribution yeah. stuff.
0: Like Concord. $17.75 $17.
1: an hour.
0: Yep. And, and that's another thing too is locations
1: and right off the start, you get a sign-on bonus, and you get benefits day one.
0: But you also have to look at the locations of their distribution centers because they're usually in larger areas, like the one you know, in North Concord Carolina is Concord, which is right in right outside of Charlotte, and things are more expensive there. There's, so
1: there's one in South Charlotte there at the airport,
0: and and see again Charlotte Concord, same area same kind of expense the living yeah. wages are the living rate is much higher than it is here so making seventeen dollars an hour there probably equates to about thirteen fourteen dollars an hour here and when you balance it out I'm just well, guessing off the top of my head but I've thought about this I'm like
1: hmm it wouldn't take too long for me to get from my house to South Charlotte because I live twenty five minutes from three twenty one and hop on three twenty one I can be in Gastonia in ten minutes then. Then they got have you seen the new exit there in Gastonia? Nope. To get on eighty five. No. Oh, there's no waiting now. No waiting at all. They have really changed the intersection now. Uh, instead of going right and looping underneath the bridge to get on eighty five, you actually have two lanes that goes off to the left then. And it loops down and goes underneath the interstate, and it goes back up on top of the road, and you merge into the interstate that way. There's no waiting at all, none. And when you're coming off of the 321, there's no waiting either. You come off on the stoplight, and you can make everybody can make right on the on the 321 without stopping, uh, unless you know you know, you can go right on red. There's no waiting to get off 321 anymore. It's a genius. Whoever did that.
0: Uh, That's been very quickly then because we went to Charlotte last year in January when we went to see Tiffany. And it was not set up like that. So they got it really fast. Go that way now. It will blow your mind. Well, I'm I'm saying really fast. They've had over a year to get it done. But I'm used to I-40 construction, which five years later is still I-40 construction in the same spot. Because I know Hickory used to be the area, and now it's Morganton, because Hickory would repave the road, like a week later, come and tear a big hole in the road, repave that, and then repave the road again, and then a week later, come back, tear a hole in the road, repave that, then repave the whole road, and it would just be this never-ending cycle, constantly tearing a hole in the brand new road you just built. I don't understand that either. But but since you brought it up before we get into all the entertainment news that I've got, the idiots with the gas. Okay, I am now below half a tank. It's the start of this crisis that wouldn't have been a crisis if people had done the right thing. I was at three-fourths of a tank, just over three-fourths of a tank. Now I'm down to just under half a tank. Gas stations are running out. And people are putting plastic bags to hold gasoline. That and Tupperware containers. um, Totes. Storage totes. plastic totes. And you were talking about the Hummer. Go ahead and talk about it.
1: Yeah. um, So, a Hummer, uh, they had all the plastic containers in it. In the back of a Humvee H2 Hummer. And someone lit a cigarette in the cabin. Oh! A sucker went up and exploded. And then, I don't understand if the people lived, but I don't see how they lived with all that engulfed in flames.
0: And but they did.
1: That's Darwinism in full effect, people.
0: And, and people forget that it's not the gas that burns so much as the, the, the fumes fuse. that catch on fire first. Yeah. And those fumes are escaping those plastic bags while that gasoline is eating through those plastic bags. So, and that's why we are in a shortage where I believe it's now over 71% gas outage in North Carolina because of idiots filling up everything they can find which is just going to be eaten through and all their gas is going to spill out into the ground polluting everything and cause even more problems on top of that yep um, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm pretty good with gas on my SUV Um. I got a little bit of a half a tank on there. And then I also got the Honda Civic out here that I've got I can drive and I've got three quarters of a tank on there, but that Honda Civic gets like forty eight miles per gallon, so I'm not really worried about it.
0: Well the I Channel Nine News was talking about the gas buddy app, so I've started looking at it and there's still gas around in the area. I just have to figure out where the stations are. And of course, my station of choice it was out, well, it was in when I checked it the other day, then I checked it when I got to work and it was out, and then it was back in later on that evening, so I don't know if they're getting shipments that much that they're refilling or what the deal is, but, and I also saw reports well, I'm in trouble. of people putting in the nozzles that have the bags over top of them and still actually able to pump out gas. Um... Well,
1: my, my my SUV it's got a turbo on it and it calls for 93 octane or the highest octane there is and what I've understood is there is no gas station around here that has 93 octane anymore it's just all 87 and I'm like Ugh. really I need the higher octane people
0: but well, get the lower octane get some fuel cleaner that might help that's the only thing I can do. I mean, it's, it's better than having nothing at all. So True. And that's one of the reasons I like shells, because they usually have gas that helps clean while it burns. So. hmm But I also... That's what I, that's what I run on my Buick. That's well, my, my Corolla, I was going to the shell station in Falston when I was coming home from working at the theater filling up, and then they started switching over to Texaco, and my car started acting bad. Like the clutch was going out or something, that's the best way I can kind of describe what it felt like. Then I'd fill up with Shell at another station, it would work fine. Then I'd fill up with that one again, it would start messing up again. So I figured out, hey, I need a good quality gas, so like Shell, VP, those are the kind of places that I need to go to get gas for my car. But during a crisis like this, I'll go wherever they have gas and fill up, and won't be filling up everything that I can find, but I will fill up my car to use. Because what happened? I think it was three days later. The pipeline's back online, and now they're just trying to fill the shortages because people went crazy hoarding the gas. That's so
1: stupid. And you know, I hate to say this, but. I hope some of them people got rear-ended in traffic. (laughs) Could you imagine?
0: (laughs) Well, the only problem is...
1: I'm not saying the car to explode. I'm just saying all those containers inside the car just gets boosh inside their car.
0: Well, quite honestly, those plastic bags probably didn't make it home.
1: No, you know it's going to eat through that plastic.
0: And it won't take long. So... But anyways, enough about the stupidity of people, because we keep seeing it. Toilet paper, gas, it don't matter. They're stupid and will not listen. But, on to the new stories, or the entertainment stories. This one, this one kind of made me happy, and it kind of makes me support Google more. Because, I don't know if you saw it, but YouTube, TV, and Roku were having a battle and Roku pulled YouTube TV off of their platform because the contract came up and they couldn't reach an agreement with Google. So in response, Google has put an ability to access YouTube TV through the YouTube app on Roku. So they worked around it so their customers don't lose anything due to Roku and Google not coming to terms. And I don't know who's at fault in the negotiations, but the fact that Google took care of their customers like that kind of says Google was probably in the right where Roku was wrong. Because if they were more worried about getting the money, they wouldn't have taken it and put it onto an app that is still on Roku instead of trying to get the money for the secondary app. You see what I'm saying? No. Well, they had two apps. YouTube, Mm -hmm. where you access the videos on demand, and YouTube TV, which is like cable. YouTube TV's contract came up, but the YouTube app stays on there through December. Its contract is locked in until December. Roku could not reach a deal with Google. So they pulled the YouTube TV app off. Well... Google was making money from both apps, the YouTube app and the YouTube TV app, and instead of trying to get that app back on there, they put that app into the YouTube app, so they're losing the money from the YouTube TV app, putting it into the YouTube app to take care of their customers. Oh, that's uh,
1: that. was kind of that's kind of sneaky,
0: but I like that. Yeah. yeah see, that's what I'm saying. It it says that Google is actually in the right here, whereas YouTube is wrong, because if they really were just out for a lot of money on this, they wouldn't have put it into the YouTube app. I wouldn't think because I mean, they're like losing how much money Google's from it. worth. worth.
1: Google's worth billions. I
0: mean, come on. Yeah. Well, Roku is worth probably several hundred million. Because Roku is the leading streaming platform. And Even more than Netflix? Netflix is not a platform. Netflix is an app. Oh. Like, Amazon Fire Stick is a platform. Roku is a platform. Oh, okay. Apple TV is a platform. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean, it, it really does come across that Google is just doing this to take care of their customers... Whereas Roku's wanting the money. So. But speaking of Roku.
1: And by the way, if you're hearing crunching, that would be
0: me. Yeah, Paul's eating as always. Making all kinds of noise that nobody wants to hear.
1: Hey, I had to work all day. I'm just now eating.
0: But Roku has now announced 25 new live channels. That they run they have the Roku channel which has a free live stream of different things it's not like ABC and TNT or anything like that they do have an MTV selection they do have stuff like that on there but it's not the actual MTV so like when the MTV Movie and Music Awards come on which for some reason is two nights I have no clue why but when they come on they won't be on the MTV channels on Roku or Pluto TV for that matter, but there's MTV programming and videos that are on these channels from back in the day, basically. And I wish
1: they'd go back to having music TV.
0: Well, they do. There's but What I'm saying is,
1: no, MTV goes back to its original platform of short videos or having
0: TRM. Well, that's on, why to you need line. to get the Pluto TV and Roku channels.
1: Because I miss that. You know, and in, in, uh, VH1 showing real music videos.
0: Because I know both Roku and Pluto have the MTV Blocks channel, where for an hour, they show music videos of one artist. And then the next hour, it's a different artist, and so on and so forth. So, they have that, it's just music videos. And I don't know if... Pluto TV has any, I'm sure they probably do, but Roku has Vivo 80s and Vivo 90s, which are just music videos, Uh but it's the 80s music videos and the 90s music videos, but the, the channels they have on here, Adventure TV, America's Test Kitchen, BN Sports Extra Español, Cinevault 70s with 70s Movies involved 80s with movies from the 80s, Degrassi, Divorce Court, Don't Tell the Bride, Dr. G Medical Examiner, Fuse Backstage, Fuse Beat, Front Door, Heartland, uh, Impact Wrestling, which is also a Pluto TV channel, the Jack Hanna channel, which, since we had the unfortunate news of Jack Hanna the other week, that's nice to see, Johnny Carson TV, which I know is also on Pluto TV, Kids Pang, Uh, Law and Crime, Rakuten, Viki, Real Crime, Rotten Tomatoes, which the Rotten Tomatoes channel actually sounds kind of good. It says the Rotten Tomatoes channel is the one-stop source for movie and TV fans. We go beyond the score with fresh takes on favorite scenes, trailers, plus mind-blowing conversations and laugh-out-loud games. Super Simple Songs, Slugterra, Vice, which I don't know if it's going to be the current shows on Vice... Because there's one that's on Vice that I do want to see and don't get to because I don't have cable. Which is The Dark Side of the Rain. And Zumo Crime TV. says, like your TV packed with thrills and a side of suspense, the case you try and solve in your dreams is now streaming on Zumo Crime TV. So those are the new channels that are coming to the Roku channel live streams. And that brings their total number to over 190. And that was courtesy of cord cutters news. But so there between Pluto TV and Roku, you have a lot of live streaming options. Granted it's mostly old stuff, but so is a lot of what's on the the, the, T V channels now. And of course, you mentioned it and it will be a definite review down the road. Coming this fall to Disney+, Plus, The Muppets Haunted Mansion. Yes, I can't wait for that. This is from ScreenCrush.com. It says, Muppets Haunted Mansion is the Muppets' next project and their first ever Halloween special. It's described in the official press release as a brand new special featuring a star-studded Muppets cast, celebrity cameos, all new music, and spooky fun for families to enjoy together. How exactly the Muppets interact with the Haunted Mansion, whether they go to spooky house inspired by the ride or if they go to the actual ride, wasn't made clear, but there is a cute announcement video starring Gonzo and Pepe the King Prawn. And if it's Pepe, you know the announcement's great because I absolutely love Pepe. But that is set for Disney+. Plus This fall there is no actual release date yet but I will definitely be watching I would
1: say it'd be probably around Halloween.
0: I'd say probably October, but... Yeah. It just depends on when they decide to premiere it. And speaking of Disney+, Plus, I don't know if you saw, but Loki has gotten a new premiere date. It will not be on Fridays. It will premiere Wednesday, June 9th, with all new episodes on Wednesdays. Okay. So... That one we will also be reviewing, of course, when it starts because we reviewed One Division, we reviewed The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we got to do Loki. Mm -hmm. So that is Wednesday. Is it going to be like
1: another six episodes? Like,
0: um, I don't know, I haven't seen a number of episodes and I don't see it in this article. This is from TVline.com. It says. The wait for Loki's small screen debut just got a little shorter. Originally slated to premiere Friday, June 11th, the Marvel Studios series will now drop on Wednesday, June 9th, with subsequent episodes also releasing on that day each week. But it does not say how many episodes. Yeah, nowhere in there do I see a listing of the episode number. But I'm guessing probably about six and it Wanda worked Vizion very well five, for eight. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Wasn't
1: 8 episodes? I think it
0: was 9.
1: It was 8 or 9, yeah. Because
0: they started with 2 on the first one. And then dropped them one a week after that. But, and, I mean, completely different here. The Netflix has released a trailer which I have not watched, but I've seen the stills from it. And it looks absolutely amazing. So much better than their take on She-Ra. But the Masters of the Universe Revelation. Really? It is from Kevin Smith, who is one of my favorites. And I really believe he'll do well with this. The five episode part one of the series based on the Mattel character will bow on the streamer Friday, July 23rd. And that streamer is, of course, Netflix. And the voice cast includes Mark Hamill as the evil Skeletor, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Chris as Tila, Chris Wood as Prince Adam He-Man, which Chris Wood was Monel on Supergirl for those who watched Supergirl, Lena Headey as Eva Lynn, and Tiffany Smith as Andra. And I don't know who Andra is, I don't remember her. It says... So I guess this is going to be animated. <clears throat> Liam Cunningham, Stephen Root, Diedrich Bader, Henry Rollins, Alicia Silverstone, Justin Long, Jason Mewes, Jay of Silent Bob, and Phil Lamar, Tony Todd, Cree Summer, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Kevin Conroy also have voice roles. For those who aren't familiar, Henry Rollins, of course, lead singer of the Rollins Band. Uh... Diedrich Bader did Batman on the Brave and the Bold series. And he was Jethro in the movie adaptations of the Beverly Hillbillies. Kevin Michael Richardson. Just look up his credits because he's been in a ton of animated voices. Tony Todd was, of course, Candyman. Uh, Kevin Conroy if you don't know Kevin Conroy, you don't know Batman. Because he was the major Batman the Animated Series voice that has reprised that role many times and even showed up as Old Man Bruce Wayne in the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. So, lots of good talent in that one. And of course, this article is from Deadline, if I didn't say so. But, And if you look at those pictures, you will see... They really got the animation right on this. And I couldn't even watch She-Ra because I hated the way the animation looked. But But also this week we saw the news of the reason for the rating of R on the Suicide Squad. This is from comicbook.com. I don't know if you saw it. The Suicide Squad is rated R for strong violence and gore. And Graphic Nudity. What? So my guess is there will be full frontal nudity in the Suicide Squad because otherwise it wouldn't be Graphic Nudity. The, the article so actually says... This is the new one coming out. Yep. The article says rated R for strong violence and gore language throughout some sexual references, drug use, and brief graphic nudity.
1: Well, this is going to be strange, watching that. You yep. know kids are going to be watching this. It's Suicide
0: Squad. Come but it's on. rated R. So
1: it doesn't matter. They're still going to watch it. Parents
0: have been aptly warned on it. So, that's, that's up to the parents at that point.
1: Put it to you this way. I went to, um, what was it? Uh, Deadpool 2 to the Carolina Theater. And beside of me, to my left, was, um, it was kind of packed in there a little bit that night. And to my left was a little boy. When I say little boy, he was probably nine, maybe ten years old. And his dad was on the other side of him. And if you remember how filthy and dirty Deadpool 2 was. Yeah. And his, his boy was watching this.
0: Yeah, which doesn't surprise me. And some kids are well-adjusted and can watch stuff like this. Some kids can't. But it's like he would, he would try to
1: put his dad, his dad would try to put his hand over his eyes, but his dad's hand would be right here and the little boy would go, like this, looking around I'm like, oh my god. Well, it was... And I'll sit here, I was embarrassed for the boy. I mean, I was embarrassed. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to sit here and die because of this. So.
0: But, and also, in this article, it says that they can assume that there will be multiple post-credit sequences for the film. So... Whether you see it in the theater or watch it on HBO Max, you want to watch through the credits because it looks like there's going to be several places that they appear and with music
1: And while we're on movies, so you know whenever Godzilla was out, you know, stomping around and kicking everybody's ass at the theaters, now I'm going by the theater every night and it's not open. The AMC's not open like it was. Uh, Did they just, like... I was thinking, did they just reopen just for Godzilla?
0: Well, it might be that they're closed for kids being in school during the day. That one used to run matinees every day, but it's also run no matinees through the week, so... Yeah, but whatever. Godzilla was open. That parking lot was packed.
1: Every night. Even during the week.
0: Well, we saw last week that uh, the movie totals are down.
1: So I'm like, I wonder if the AMC in Hickory just decided to just be open on the weekends. I don't
0: know. You know what? I want to check that app right quick. I got it on my phone. Just look at it right quick. While you're doing that, we'll start with the sad news. This is from Variety. Ellen DeGeneres to end daytime talk show in 2022.
1: I saw that. I wonder why she's doing that.
0: I think it's because of all the trouble last year with the toxic workplace environment. That would be my guess.
1: But she's still doing gangbusters. She's got millions and millions of fans watching that show.
0: Well, she's still going to be doing stuff on HBO Max as well. Because her first show, Design... I think it's Design Challenge, maybe. It's already on HBO Max. So, but she's, let's see if it says. It's Oprah ran 25 years. I can't remember. Ellen has hosted the series since 2003 meaning the show will have run for 19 seasons by the time it ends. So, Oprah had 25 years, Ellen had 19 seasons. That's a long time.
1: Yeah. So... But she's still going to be doing a show on HBO
0: Max? And not the top she show. She's doing other shows. And the Ellen's Game of Games still airs on NBC, and... So she's still going to be doing stuff. It's just, she's not going to do the talk show after next year. And quite honestly, I I think the ratings went down after the Toxic Workplace came out. Well, I mean, it probably went down a little bit, but I follow her on Instagram. I mean, she literally has like millions of likes on Instagram. Yeah, but I, I think people stopped watching her show quite a bit. Like, I think the ratings significantly dropped after all those reports.
1: I don't know. So. Anyways, I just think of all she, all the good she's done for, for the world, so...
0: Well, before I get into those we lost, did you find your answer? Um, it says it's open. It may just be nobody's going. So, That tomorrow... Happens.
1: They've got a new movie opening up tomorrow. Um, Let's see here. Um, Tomorrow there's a new movie opening up uh, The Spiral. Let's see here. The Wrath of Man. There's a lot of showings for that one. And also this movie called Demon Slayer. Several showings for that one. Mortal Kombat. You know, it's supposed to be been a big one, but it doesn't look like it's
0: gotten good
1: reviews. And Godzilla, it's still playing. Well Raya and the Dragon's quite, there. Quite Adam honestly, I think there.
0: Spiral is coming out at the wrong time. They should look have saved it for closer there. to Halloween.
1: Look
0: what's playing there right now. Well, the top, top gun It was re-released because of the anniversary, I think. And because of COVID.
1: Yeah, Top Gun. They're showing Top Gun in the theater
0: now in 3D. I'd like to go see that, by the way. I saw it in 3D on my TV until the lightning struck my 3D TV. And now I can't watch anything in 3D on my TV anymore. I thought you bought a new TV. It's not 3D. You can't get a 3D TV in America anymore. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, not unless you spend thousands... And I'm not spending thousands on my TV, so... But that brings us to, of course, the sad portion of the show. And there were several since we recorded last Tuesday. First up, anybody who's ever had a dog knows the love of a dog. The Obama family announced the passing of their dog, Bo.
1: I saw that. I saw the tweet from, uh, from Michelle Obama.
0: And it said, they got him on the campaign trail in 2008 as a puppy, and he was battling cancer and ended up succumbing. So, And people will say that it's just a dog, but if you have a dog, and you actually love your dog, then you understand how important that dog is. It's very much a part of your family. Oh okay, yeah, it's a member of your family. I've had multiple dogs, and I've cried over the loss of every one of them. It hurts when they go. Oh yeah. And I, I try to do everything I can to keep them healthy, but it's always going to happen, and you don't get enough time with them. Which is what's really bad is dogs only get like the. The longest living dogs, I think, average out at 22 years. That's not long enough for a loved one. Yeah, the longest
1: I've ever had a dog to live was 16 years, and that was a
0: Labrador. My dog Jimmy was a Lab Dalmatian mix, and he made it about 17 and a half years, and that was my longest. And he was every bit of my world. That dog meant everything to me. He's still my favorite dog. No offense to any of my other dogs, but that was my dog.
1: You, now Chris, you know they're listening to you right now.
0: Well, I mean, that dog was with me about half of my life at the point that I I had to put him to sleep. And that was a major, major milestone. So, yeah, it was, it was... Every bit, he was my dog. He was the the first dog that was strictly my dog. And, well, second, because Katie, but she only made it three, not even quite three years before they think she was born with one functional kidney, and it failed, and she ended up passing. So that one was a hard one, too, because who expects to lose a dog at three years old? Yeah. But she was purebred Dalmatian, but Jimmy... He was my dog. Like, I've told people, I don't know about other people's dogs, but I would sit in a spot on the couch, and I would get up, he would get up, and then he would sit in the spot where I was at. So I would move to a different spot on the couch, and when I'd get up again, he would move and take that spot. Every time I got up, he went to my spot. And when I moved back in with my mom, she sat in the spot that she usually sat in, so I sat in the same spot usually, and when I would come home... Jimmy would be laying in the spot where I sat. That would be where he would go. Uh, like I'm saying, he was my dog. But, so I understand what the Obamas are feeling with the passing of Bo, and it's not easy. But also this week, Vans co-founder Paul Van Doren has passed away at the age of 90. Of course, Vans is a very popular brand of tennis shoe and very successful line, so... But at least... I know that's especially, other, for, especially for skateboarders, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but most of the deaths this week are very long lives. This one, ABC News reported the last surviving Marine of the USS Indianapolis died at the age of 96 this week. Uh... Where's the part where it says, Harrell was one of the 316 crew members who survived the attack by Japanese forces waiting for help in shark-infested waters for four days. So he survived that and lived to be the age of 96. Said Edgar Harrell was 96 and lived at the Tennessee State Veterans Home in Clarksville, Tennessee. So, definitely an American hero right there. Oh yeah. Also this week we saw the passing of Lloyd Price. This is from Rollingstone.com. Lloyd Price, R and B's Mr. Personality, who sang Lottie Miss Claudie dies at the age of eighty-eight. It says the best known for the fifties hits Lottie Miss Claudie, Stagger Lee and Personality. Of course. Music video fans will know the name Tony Katane, especially eighties music videos. If I don't know if you remember the white snake video, but I believe it was Here I Go Again as I'm waiting for the article to pop up here. I believe it was Here I Go Again where she was rolling around on the hood of the car. Yeah. Yeah, that was her. But Variety has a number of roles she was in. She was Tom Hanks' girlfriend in Bachelor Party. She had additional roles in Witchboard, White Hot, and Dead Tides. Also appeared in a Seinfeld episode, The Nose Job. So. Oh my god, I remember that that Seinfeld episode. Cause of Death was not revealed. She was 59. And finally, the one that had the biggest impact on me this past week... And granted, he made it to the age of 106, so he lived a full life. Passed away in his sleep at the age of 106. Norman Lloyd. And if you don't know Norman Lloyd, if you watch Saint Elsewhere, he was Dr. Oshlander. He was in a lot of Hitchcock stuff. This is from Deadline.com. It says the Emmy-nominated veteran actor, producer, and director, whose career ranged from Orson Welles' Mercury Theater. Alfred Hitchcock's Saboteur, and acting with Charlie Chaplin in Limelight to St. Elsewhere, Dead Poet Society, and The Practice. So, huge run of shows and movies that he was in, and he was just a... As Dr. Oshlander, he was so lovable, and like I've said many times, St. Elsewhere was my favorite hospital drama ever. I don't think anything no. will ever top it in my book. But his character on there was really, really lovable. And so, yeah, it's that one's a hard one for me. Like I said, even though he was 106, he was one that I loved.
1: 106, that's a long time.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, check out all the stuff that he's been in if you get the chance, because he really had quite an array of stuff and it says he was even in episodes of Night Gallery, Kojak, Wise Guy, Tales of the Unexpected, an early modern family episode recurring on the practice i mean there's so much that he was in so check him out page he was born the year that the,
1: he was born the year the titanic went down
0: Luckily, luckily his maiden voyage lasted a lot longer yes but but anyways that brings us to the end of this portion of the show and speaking of those we lost as we said last week we wanted to devote time to her so we are going to spend the next segment doing tribute to Olympia dukakis stay tuned <laughs> back everyone. We are going to do our Olympia Dukakis tribute. We chose The Last Keepers, Fire in the Dark, and Steel Magnolias, but first we're going to do the top 10 movies of the week. At number 10, down from 9, is Tom and Jerry. After 11 weeks, $44,766,340. Down from 7 to 9 is The Unholy with a six-week total of $14,161,963. Number eight, down from six last week, is Nobody, which was number one at, when it came out. Number, after seven weeks, it's at $24,608,625. And again, starting at number seven, we have the Million Dollar Taker. First week in release, here today, brought in $1,041,215 down from four to six separation in its second week, a grand total of $3,362,801. Holding steady at five, Raya and the Last Dragon, after 10 weeks, is now 43871994 And as I said, it's going to surpass Tom and Jerry. Raya and the Last Dragon, $43,871,994. After 10 weeks... Tom and Jerry forty four million seven hundred and sixty six thousand three hundred and forty dollars after eleven weeks. And it made almost one and a half million dollars more than Tom and Jerry this week. So if it makes a million dollars more than Tom and Jerry next week, it will surpass Tom and Jerry. This is wild though. Tom and
1: Jerry's lasted this long though as well. Well,
0: so, I mean Tom and Jerry did very well for playing in theaters and on HBO Max, so... Yeah, it did. Number four, down from three after six weeks, Godzilla vs. Kong, $93,021,448. Down from two to three in its third week, Mortal Kombat, with a grand total of 37876529 The weekend total was 2405981 Number two which for some reason doesn't have an, a number for last week, but I was talking with Paul off the air, and we think it was number one last week. It's its third week of release, Demon Slayer, Mugen Train, or however you say it, $3,053,500 on the weekend, 37172276 total, and number one, its first week in release, Wrath of Man. $8,309,007. So the box office Hi. is still holding pretty good. I mean, it's not the Godzilla versus Kong numbers by any stretch of the imagination. But it is still definitely showing signs of improvement.
1: Just curious, you've always kept up with um, Wonder Woman. Is there any
0: kind of numbers out for her? Did you it even look it was gone last week. I didn't even look this week. Okay, I didn't know if you noticed that or not. But... No, it was, uh, last week it was gone, so I just, I gave up. I figured it's probably out of the theaters and strictly to video now. Which, she's getting ready to return to HBO Max as well. So. Oh really, it yes, is? they announced that it is coming to HBO Max, I believe in June.
1: Can't so I'll picture. have a chance to see it again, because I remember, I only got to see it that one time.
0: Well, you've got a chance now, because it's on my voodoo, which you have access to. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't have to wait for HBO Max to get it. It's it's on my voodoo. And that brings us to the tribute to Olympia Dukakis. The first film I chose strictly because... It was a different kind of role for Olympia Dukakis. Something that I would not have expected her to deal in. And it is a drama, but it's a different kind of drama, which we'll discuss here in a little bit. The only one I've got pulled up is IMDB, which gave it a 5.5 out of 10. I'm going to go to Rotten Tomatoes real quick and see if there's a rating on the website that's not showing up on Bing. But... While I'm doing that, I'll let you tell the background of the movie.
1: Um, the it all revolves around um, a family who lives out kinda in the woods. It's a it's a mother, a daughter, and then also like a grandmother, and also there's a, a husband, father in the movie, and it's um they're all kind of like naturalists they're they um kind of live their lives um doing um uh, the only way i can describe it is wiccan the practice of wicca which is um, celebrating the energy of the earth and the goddess of the earth and um, the spirit of the earth and um, they are um, delving into their Wiccan ways which um, they tend to be this is not um, It's kind of like white witches if you if you if it's kind of going through the their day to day living, um, having an art studio and then the, and their daughter attending school and come up about um, finding out her powers and exactly what her role is in all this and it kind of find out she ends up being um, should I
0: say any more about her I wouldn't, because as the story yeah. goes on, you find out more about her, and it's yeah, a major part of the story. Her, but I don't want to say
1: too much more about her, because actually, I ended up enjoying the movie. Uh, I, di- I didn't know exactly what to expect, because, you know, I was looking for like more mainstream movies, and this is definitely not one of her more mainstream movies. This is kind of a... Uh, A movie that I've never heard of, and I'm glad that Chris did choose it because I actually enjoyed it. It was um, a lot of good actors, a lot of good acting, and Olympia Dukakis did play a really good role in this. Um,
0: uh, I've got the the Rotten Tomatoes site pulled up. The Last Keepers does not have one single critical review, but it does have an audience score of 100-plus ratings at 44%. So, and so, 44% Rotten Tomatoes audience score, 5.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, one of the reasons I really did choose this was before I found out anything about it, and I was more glad that after I picked it, the story was something different for Olympia Dukakis, but it was the cast, because you had Olympia Dukakis, who of course we're paying tribute to, you had Aiden Quinn, who if you watch Desperately Seeking Susan, you should know who Aiden Quinn is. He was also in the TV movie *An Early Frost, and several other things through the years. And Virginia Madsen, who probably best known for Candyman. However, you remember we watched The Swamp Thing last year, and she was Avery yeah. Sunderland's wife in The Swamp Thing. I can't remember what her first name was on there. So... The cast really absolutely pulled me in for this. And it was something... It was not a major studio. I can't remember who it was. But I did not recognize the name when it came up on there. I'm trying to look through here. BCDF Pictures. And I have absolutely no clue who that company is. Distributors were Vertical Entertainment in the U.S., BBI films in the Netherlands, Canal Plus in Poland, and Movie Max Family in Turkey. So literally, I know nothing about any of those companies. And I mean it it seems to be a fairly low budget film because I mean none of these actors could command really high dollar, but it doesn't take away from any one of these actors' abilities in the in the show in the movie. Because they all did a very good job. And Virginia Madsen, I just end up liking her pretty much in everything that I see her in. When, wasn't she in the hunting in Connecticut? Wasn't she the boy's mother?
1: I think
0: she was, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, she's just... I just love her. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Olympia Dukakis... The,
1: da- the daughter did a great job, too. Yeah, the- and Zosia M-
0: Mamet. Uh, yeah, Mamet, I think it's her name is. I was looking at her throughout the thing, and I kept thinking she looks really familiar. And then I figured it out; it was a nurse that I used to work with. Kind of resembles this girl, so I was like, "That's why I know her. She looks like." Well, her. I've seen
1: her. I've seen her in other things too. I just cannot recall what I saw her
0: in. I don't know that I've seen her in anything else, but. I mean, I'm sure I probably have on Bing. She's in The Flight Attendant, Girls, Tales of the City. I did see that. And the boy downstairs and The Last Keepers are her top five. The Kids Are Alright, I did see. Uh, she was
1: in The Sampson's. Um, well, you
0: wouldn't, you, know you wouldn't have seen her in that. You wouldn't have seen her in that.
1: No, but she did play in The Simpsons at one point.
0: She was in United States of Terror, which I loved a lot. Ab-fab- she's been in she a hosted. lot of
1: stuff here. Oh my God, she played in the Ab movie.
0: movie. So so yeah, she's definitely an accomplished one, but I, she, I don't think I really recognized her from any of that as much as her resembling a nurse that I used to work with. Yeah. And there, Paul goes making all kinds of noise with his cinnamon toast crunch over there. But, <laughs> but there's, I mean, the, the cast is very talented, and the the story is definitely good. It's. It's basically another coming-of-age story, this time dealing with witches, and, oh, I forgot Aidan Quinn, because I'm just reading the trivia on IMDb, he was also in Practical Magic. It said it's his second film revolving around a family of female witches. Oh, that's right, he was in Practical Magic, that's
1: right.
0: says, this is the yeah. first time Virginia Madsen and Aidan Quinn play spouses. They are also husband and wife on later seasons of elementary. But he was also, what was the, the Book of Daniel on NBC, which got a lot of bad press because people thought it was something more than it was because he was a priest who talked to Jesus like Jesus was his friend. And there was a guy who looked like Jesus that nobody else saw, but he talked to him and they had normal conversations. And I thought it was done very well. I really enjoyed the show, but of course NBC bowed the pressure and dropped the show. But he was in that Benny and June Aiden Quinn was in, so a lot of really good stuff from Aiden Quinn. And stuff that I'd forgotten about through the years.
1: I was wondering, you know, they they filmed that in the fall, and they filmed that in
0: Hudson Valley, New York. That is a beautiful area where they filmed that at. Um, It's definitely filmed in the fall, because there's a lot of fall colors in it.
1: What is it with the witch movies? They're always filming in the fall, like Hocus
0: Pocus, and this one, and also... Maybe for the Halloween
1: feel? Yeah, and also the other Witches movie we we talked about, that was filmed in the fall.
0: But,
1: but the, the budget was $4 million.
0: Wow. And it seems like about $3 million of that was spent on the effects, which there weren't a lot of, but what they had looked really good. Yeah, so, they, they, did, they, they did do a really good job of that. So it shows that you can do a low-budget film and... Really make it look good. And this one very much did. Is it the greatest Does one ever is? made? No. But no. is it worth a watch? Absolutely. And for those of you who want to watch it, it is available for free on Vudu and Tubi. It's also, I believe, free on Amazon Prime. But I don't know if it's with ads or with a subscription to Amazon Prime. So, But you can see it. In all three of those places, and maybe others as well. So, free with ads on Tubi or Voodoo. Check it out. There's not a whole lot we can really say without giving too much of it away, so I don't want to go too much more in-depth in it. But I do want to talk about Olympia Dukakis in it, because that's what we're here for, and that's why we watched it. And she doesn't have a huge part, but... It's like I said, it is a different kind of role than what I'm used to seeing her in. And even though it's still a drama, there's the supernatural aspect of it with the witchery. And I thought she did a very, very good job and was very believable. And Oh yeah. I and, like that she could light candles from her fingers. Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. Her effects were very simple, but looked great. You could not tell what they were doing to get it to do that. So four that million dollars the cool. budget and it looks great. It is pretty cool. I enjoyed it.
1: And it's probably one I think I'm gonna watch again. Maybe more around Halloween, you know like around Hocus Pocus or something. Yeah. I think I'll probably watch this one again around Halloween.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely a a very good movie to watch and like I said, if you want something different from Olympia Dukakis, this is probably one of your best bets. Cause and just FYI,
1: it is labeled a family film, so <clears throat> don't think that this is something that you know kids can't watch. I would say kids can watch this.
0: And it's, it is PG-13, but it's a really tame PG-13, too.
1: Yeah, I don't see much why it would be PG-13, not unless it would be...
0: You know, what happened towards the end of the movie there. Yeah. That, that's, that's probably the only thing I what could it think was. Of. And and I mean, just for people out there to to consider the PG thirteen on this I would equate to the P G thirteen on the original Spider Man with Toby Maguire. It's really tame. Kids can watch it and there's not I mean, I don't remember any real bad language in it. So No. So yeah, it's it's definitely good entertainment for the whole family. Like I said, it is a coming of age story for the most part, and one thing that I did like about her is she was an environmentalist, which kind of for me built into the witch aspect of her character. So it's I really i i i'd suggest it to you definitely, and like I said, free on i on Tubi TV or Voodoo with ads. Give it a shot. So I think that's about as much as we can say without giving everything away. I'll go ahead and give my score on it first. It's it's not the best written film I've ever seen, but like I said, it's something different for de Dukakis. It's very enjoyable. The acting from everybody in the film, very well done. There were some things that I felt were kind of rushed, which I don't want to get into because, again, it gives away major plots of the story, but it's only an hour and 25 minutes, so of course things are going to get rushed, and could have been fleshed out a little bit more, and made it run longer, but as far as what we've got, like I said, production value, phenomenal, $4 million, and they made these effects look so good. They got actors who are well-known, because this was a film made in 2013, so they'd all lost their biggest claim, which for Olympia Dukakis, of course, still Magnolia is that we'll talk about. Virginia Madsen would be Candyman in the theaters, then the haunting of the you know the haunting in Connecticut. Aidan Quinn, of course, desperately seeking Susan would be his biggest for a starring role for him in the theaters. But the the actors definitely are names that deserve a good portion of money from the production so to pull off everything they did for four million dollars really was well done so you got to give them extra points on that so i'm going to say three and a half out of five because like i said some things are rushed but the story is really enjoyable and it, it meshes together very well throughout it keeps you interested throughout and the production value is so high that you got to give it a little bit higher.
1: Yeah, I'm going to add to that. Um, kind of, I agree with everything that you said, but I'm going to also add to it that the characters actually meshed very well too, and the um, they played the very very believable roles. So um, I really enjoyed that too. And um, like I said, I want to echo everything he just said. I, I enjoyed it. It's uh, I, like I said, I want to see it again. I'm going to see if I can't get some for my friends to watch it because I think they'll enjoy it as well. But I'm I'm, I'm on the same page with you. I want to hear it three and a half stars as well.
0: So, definitely check it out. Like I said, free on Tubi and on um, Vudu. And possibly free with ads, possibly with the subscription. I didn't try and watch it on Amazon Prime. But it is available on Prime as well. Next up is a film that's... Available with a subscription to Prime. It is also free on 2 TV with ads. It's called A Fire in the Dark. It was a TV movie that was from the on, on Bing released the release date as October 6, 1991. So, being a TV movie, probably not going to have a Rotten Tomatoes score. I don't even know if it's on the page, I'm not even gonna look it up. But the IMDb score that it gives. Is 7.2 out of 10 but only 91 reviews. So it's not been real well watched on the IMDb reviews. Again, this was one when I was looking up the Olympia Dukakis movies. The supporting cast is what drove me to it, but this one, of all three that we chose, this one is the one that stars Olympia Dukakis. She is the main focus of the entire film. So, she is. for that, I was very glad that I chose this one. But listen to the supporting cast. Playing her daughter, Janet, Lindsay Wagner, the bionic woman. Playing Lin- Janet's husband, Ray Wise, Laura Palmer's father from Twin Peaks. He was also the devil on... Oh, I can't even think of the name now. It was the show that Kevin Smith produced where the parent sold the child's soul to the devil and the devil came to claim the soul on his 21st birthday. I just can't think of what it is right offhand. I'm going to have to pull it up. But also, Gene Stapleton, who you would know as Edith from All in the Family, and she absolutely stole the film. I'm just going to tell you, she was phenomenal in it. And she wasn't in it enough. She was. But she definitely stole the film. She's a nut. (laughs) Let me see if I can find the name of that show. because I know it and as soon as I see it, I'm going to be like, of course. And should have known because I love the show. But where's that? Where's that? He's got a lot of stuff listed on here, let me tell you. Reaper. That was it. Reaper, it was a show on the WB, maybe? It may have been the CW. can't remember for sure, but it it ran two seasons. Very good show. I love Ray Wise in it. And, of course, Ray Wise, Laura Palmer's father in Twin Peaks. So, yeah, he's a definite winner. And Edward Herman, which if you see him, you'll know him. He played Olivia Dukakis' son, Robert, Uh. in this
1: we were talking about Jean stapleton from all in the family yes this movie was filmed and put out in 2013. she died in 2013.
0: no this film was done in 1991 the last keepers was 2013.
1: oh that's right okay so i was just clicked on it's like oh my
0: god this is in 2000 okay right. all right Sorry. so so the supporting cast is very strong with this like I said, Olympia Dukakis is the driving force. Uh, basically, what it is, is the story of someone getting old and having to deal with it. That's the easiest way to describe this. And they do it so well in my eyes. Like, it's, pa- it's, a, um, it's painful. Okay. It's really painful And to you watch really feel for her and you understand everything as it happens. The they present it so well. And it's, again, a TV movie did this.
1: Yeah, it's a painful movie to watch because I've, I've been through this with my grandparents and it's like part of me realistically wanted to just quit my job and quit my life and go live with, you know, I could see my grandparents and her and just like move in with her and take care of her. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But the other part is like, I can't quit my job. I have a life. I have to do these things. So it really hit home for me watching this. And it, it was really heart wrenching for me to see this because I could see a lot of what's going on in American families or any kind of family that has aging um, parents um, and what they have to deal with. Um, you know, some may live in town, some may live a couple hours away like Lindsay Wagner's character lived away. She lived two hours away. But um, it, it, it's, it very it hit home for me. It really did.
0: Uh, and it also, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but, you know, as the main character gets older, so do her friends. And it deals with yeah. her friends getting older as well. And, I mean, all of this in, what, 95 minutes It says two hours. I think it was about 95 minute run time on it. They do all of this in 95 minutes and do it so well. The writing is spot on with all of this. You feel everything. You understand everything. You get everything. There's no slow moments. It's like you just... Okay, well, just for everybody out there, we kind of cut off there immediately. And I think you might have heard a beep there just a second ago. That's because we had some technical issues, and because of the technical issues and the time in between, we kind of forgot where we were, so we're going to try and jump back into this the best we can. If we repeat something we said, I apologize right off the bat, but that's that's the problem of live and not knowing how to edit all this real well.
1: We were talking about how this mimics real life, and I could see a lot of, you know, a lot of American families going through this, exactly what they're doing in this show they depicted it as nail on the head um this was like watching someone's life it wasn't like watching a movie for me it was like watching someone's life fold out in front of them and it was also you was talking you was mentioning about their friends aging too
2: yeah olympia dukakis's friends
1: aging as well and you was talking about how Uh, And it
0: captures it in in an hour and a half very well. So, um, yeah. I'm looking up the writer. He does not have many credits to his name. It's David J. Hill is the writer. A Long Way Home TV movie, Replacing Dad TV movie, A Marriage of Convenience TV movie, Dangerous Intentions... And Fire in the Dark TV movie are the only five credits he has for writing. And Fire in the Dark was the first that he has credit for. He also was associate producer on Fire in the Dark. So, to come out of the gate with a movie this strong, and I don't see a date of birth or passing, so I don't know if he's still alive. There's nothing listed on here. Again, the writer is David J. Hill. But for this to be his out-of-the-gate film, it's phenomenal. Like, this is a fantastic first try. It is so
1: good that it's actually saddening. Because <laughs> it's so believable. I mean, like I said, I've seen a lot of my life in this picture.
0: Yeah, And, so. and like I said before, it's so believable and it shows everything and is like you understand every bit of what she's going through, all of the situations she has and it's there's really nothing in this film that you don't worry about with someone as they get older. Like literally it's there's like, nothing it's, it's I can like, think of that they missed in this. No,
1: it's like you know, from her getting hurt, being by herself and you know, it's from cooking to the day in and day out living. It, it was just, it was very. I uh, will go ahead and tell you, it was very hard for me to watch at some point. It was, but, Cause it was heart, because it was hard, because it was heart wrenching for me. And
0: and it's like I told Paul before we started recording. If if you like Steel Magnolias, I really think you should watch this one. It's not the film where you're going to find all these great witty lines that you remember and quote all the time because let me tell you I quote Steel Magnolias all the time but I did too this one it's it's a really good companion piece and I think it's what 2 years after Steel Magnolias yeah 1989 for Steel Magnolias 1991 for Fire in the Dark so she was still very strong coming off of Steel Magnolias on this TV movie. And of course she had been in The Witches of Eastwick. and I mean, there's so many wonderful choices from Olympia Dukakis that we could have gone with. But I didn't want to go... I mean, clearly we had to talk about Steel Magnolias because you're not going to top that one. But the, the Tales of the City that we're going to talk about... During Pride Month, I've already tipped you to that one. Um, just so many really good films. And these two, The Last Keepers and The Fire in the Dark, for me, were just unknown. And like I said, the supporting cast really pulled me in. And I'm glad that I did, because they were both really good. But this one was just so strong in every aspect and like I said for it to be a TV movie because this was not a TV movie like HBO TV this was a TV movie like NBC or something I don't know what channel it actually aired on but it was not going to be one of your high budget TV movies and they really really did knock this out of the park so I was looking to see if
1: there's any kind of a budget listed for this film, but there's no. There's no budget.
0: Yeah. I kind of figured there wouldn't be. And does it have anything about the where it aired? Because that's one thing I'm curious on.
1: It says technical specs. Let's see here. Shot on 35 millimeter film. Um, it just says United States with commercials. Um, country of origin United States release date October 6, 1991 it doesn't say anything what channel it was aired on or anything like that
0: my computer's moving kind of slow so I don't know I mean I've
1: got it on my iPhone here but it's not saying anything where it was aired at and
0: yeah. Went into the. It's got the foreign titles, but it doesn't have a. A network. I wonder if there's anything under the trivia. Did you check under there? Um trivia.
1: Let's see here. Other. Let's see all trivia. No, it just says Joan Leslie's last movie, the Lindsay Wagner character. Has only a master's degree yet seems to have a really busy teaching schedule at the local college without a PhD, that would not be true. And it's just talking about the church run home Olympia Dukakis is going to requires a huge one time payment from the sale of her house yet as they drive away to deliver her to the home for the sale sign is still up she hasn't made that payment how is she going to be admitted. It doesn't say
0: anything about that. Well, to me, that wasn't... I mean, they... The for sale signs do stay up sometimes. So that, to me, is not a flaw in the film. No. Yeah, it Yeah. Like I said, if you have Amazon Prime, check it out. It is also free with ads on Tubi and definitely worth the time oh it's also on the roku channel it looks like which is free with ads so lots of choices to where you can actually see this either with or without ads but i think we've kind of told what we can without giving the whole movie away so i'm gonna go ahead this again as this was my choice and I was very pleasantly surprised with this film. I knew that I liked the cast in it. I did not know that it was going to be such a strong movie. did not know when I picked it that it was actually going to be a TV movie either. But for a TV movie, they really nailed it. And I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, everything was so good and well explained and believable. And there was no... like oh, this couldn't have happened moments for me, and that it just all made perfect sense as I watched it.
1: Yeah, it was, like I said, it was kind of disturbing for me to watch in some ways because I could see um, my life and some other people's lives as well um, reflected in this. So it was, like I said, it was kind of disturbing for me to watch a little bit. Um, But um, I highly suggest that, it's a, a very good film, done very well. I'm not going to give it as high as what Chris did. i want to give it 3.75 stars. But, um, but it is a definitely a good film.
0: And with that, we are on the one that we're clearly going to love, because how can you not? Steel Magnolia. Of course. And the surprising part is the other guy's. IMDb gives it 7.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes is 68% and Metacritic 56%. Or 56. I'm wondering... I'm going to pull up the Rotten Tomatoes, which it's not going to for some reason. Go ahead and talk for a minute. I'm going to pull up Rotten Tomatoes and see where Steel Magnolias runs on the audience score.
1: Well, Steel Magnolias is just like... It's a cult classic at this point. It's one of those films where... I don't care what channel it's on. I don't care where you're going to find it at. You're always going to, I don't care if it's 30 minutes into the film. I don't care if it's 45 minutes into the film. You're going to stop and watch it because you are in for some hijinks, of course, from these women working around this beauty shop based in based in a small town in Louisiana, which was actually filmed in Louisiana as well. Um, it goes around, to, you know, the story of a young beautician. I just want to kind of read this right here. It says a young beautician newly arrived in a small Louisiana town finds work at a local salon where a small group of women share a close bond of friendship and welcome her into the fold. And it, it is full of just like one-liners, you know, um, let's see, uh, Shelby uh, is a bride-to-be. She's diabetic. She is um, one of their daughters, and it's the whole story of her wedding. It's building up to her wedding and her getting married, and um, the story of her life after that, having a child when we, she wasn't supposed to get pregnant because, you know, they're saying it would have killed her, but we all know what happens at the end. I mean, I mean who hasn't seen this movie? But um, it's. I mean, the hijinks and the one-liners in this movie is just amazing. And who can't quote those one-liners? The one-liners, I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> well, my, my favorite quote from the movie is from Weezer, of course, because Weezer's got the best lines, but it's... The one where she says, Damn it, I'm pleasant. I just saw Drum Eaton at the Piggly Wiggly and a smile at some bitch before I could even help myself. Because it's just... She's talking about how nice she is while she's just berating people right and left. And I love it. It's perfect for the character, but it is the line that I absolutely love from this movie. And there's it's probably the line of, that I quote on more now. than anything else. What is it?
1: Uh, what is it? Your husband's a gentleman, at least he, or does he, uh, so I guess he's a gentleman. I guess he takes the dishes out of the sink before he pisses it <laughs> Oh, God.
0: I mean, there are so many fantastic lines, and one of the most perfect scenes in a film ever, if you ask me, right after the funeral, I mean... Let's face it, Sally Field doing what Sally Field does best. Dramatic acting. She is phenomenal phenomenal. in it. And she is delivering this monologue that is so heart-wrenching. And you feel every moment of it. And if you're not crying, because honestly I've never cried at this movie as much as I love it. But if you're not crying in that scene, you are on the verge of tears. And then instantly comes in Olympia Dukakis and changes all that and you're laughing your butt off. I mean, it is just <laughs> right into it. Like, you... Would it make you feel better? Hit, hit, Weezer. hit her. We'll sell t-shirts. Yeah, we'll sell t-shirts. I
1: hit Weezer.
0: <laughs> Have a chicken pen and should give it eye take a whack at Weezer. Hit
1: but, her. She grabs a hold of her and like shoves her.
0: Hit her. <laughs> I mean, it's... It is just from start to finish, the the locker room scene with the great Berbierging. Shut up! You're making a fool out of yourself. It's just, I mean, it is a Weezer with her little pocket mirror, looking at all the naked jocks in that in the locker room. I mean, it's, there is so much good in this movie, and there are so many lows in this movie too, because it is life. And like they bring you to the heights and they bring you to the lows and it's such an emotional roller coaster throughout. But that one scene after the funeral is the absolute pinnacle of the roller coaster because you are instantly going from crying your eyes out to laughing your butt off. And there's no other way to describe it.
1: There's that one part where Dolly Parton and Olympia Dukakis is standing side by side. And it's during the wedding party. And it shows that woman dancing. That big fat woman yep. dancing in that dress. And she goes, look at him. Looks <laughs> like two pigs fighting under a blanket.
0: <laughs> but while you're mentioning Dolly, I, I want to give this. It's on the trivia on IMDb. Very first thing. After a poor take, director Herbert Ross reprimanded Dolly Parton and asked her if she could act. She replied, "No, but it's your job to make me look like I can." <laughs> and it just that quote just fits this film so well, and it fits Dolly too because you gotta love Dolly. How can you not? Oh, and, and another one of famous
1: quotes is, "If you don't have anything nice to say about anyone, come sit by me."
0: <laughs> this I am happy did not happen because it says. Meg Ryan was initially under contract to play Shelby, but the producers let her out of it to play Sally in When Harry Met Sally. I don't think Meg Ryan would have been the star that Julia Roberts was in this movie.
1: Oh, no. They needed... Yeah, Julia Roberts was... um, Now, when did Pretty Woman come out? Did it come out before this?
0: I think it was 1990. I think this was Julia's first big film, because she had been in Mystic Pizza... But yeah. I don't think she had done anything where she really made a mark because until this and Pretty Woman. This movie, this
1: movie kind of solidified her a little bit. But whenever it came to Pretty Woman, that's
0: what put her into superstardom with right there, that one. Mm. And also, just thinking about it, Meg Ryan playing Sally Field's daughter in 1989? No. It just... Julia was a better choice all around because Julia was younger. At least I think she was. She definitely looked it. And, yeah. I mean, nothing against Meg Ryan's age or anything, but Julia just seems the much better fit all the way around. And for me personally, Julia is the much better actress of the two. And I'm pulling up Julia Roberts thing here and seeing... Um, I'm thinking that 1990 was Pretty Woman. Yep, 1990 for Pretty Woman. So scroll down here and see her credits. She did a lot of TV shows. Baja, Oklahoma was a TV movie she was in in 1988. Mystic Pizza in 1988. Blood Red in 1989. Then Steel Magnolias in 1989. Followed with Pretty Woman, Flatliners, and Sleeping with the Enemy. Then she did a Sesame Street short, and then Dying Young, Hook, The Player, The Pelican Brief, I Love Trouble, Ready to Wear, Something to Talk About, did an episode of Friends, Mary Riley, Michael Collins, Everyone Says I Love You, My Best Friend's Wedding. So you see, this was the start of her superstardom, and she was in, I don't remember her being in in Murphy Brown, but right here it is, two-parter, Never Can Say Goodbye, Julie Roberts was in Murphy Brown, the
1: old one, or the new
0: one? Candace Berg in 1998. Well. And, I mean, honestly, I can't think of a movie I've seen with Julia Roberts that I didn't enjoy. I can think of movies that I didn't enjoy as well as others. But...
1: I'll like, tell you what, she did a damn good job in
0: Pelican Brief. Well, oh, and I can think of one movie that she was in that I didn't enjoy, but I enjoyed every moment she was on the screen. That was Ocean's Twelve. Didn't care for that movie, absolutely loved her. She did,
1: good. She did her good in 12, she did. Yeah, she, she was the only thing it. I liked
0: about it. And I've said that many I times. Was,
1: I was reading in here in the, under the trivia, it said this was shot in the small town of Nachochosis. I'll probably just butcher the name. Reported This, we're talking about um, Still Magnolias. Reportedly, filmmakers made so much high demands of the locals, particularly those who are volunteered to be extras. That when the Man of the Moon in 1981 was shot in the same town, extras were very hard to find. So apparently they were really hard on them.
0: Well, this bit of trivia kind of hurts the film, but it says Malin's two sons were named Thomas and Jonathan, and their daughter's fiance was named Jackson. Thomas Jonathan Jackson was the legendary Confederate general known as Stonewall Jackson. So in basically the three sons you got. They kind of so into it. Yeah. yeah. So not not somebody I would really want to praise, but it it does fit for the film itself. Now check this out. Winona, Winona Ryder was
1: also originally offered the role of Shelby. Although the producers were charmed by Ryder, they they ultimately considered her too young for the part. Which is ironic because she's only about two and a half years younger than Julia. Well, Could that... you imagine Winona Ryder playing that part?
0: I don't think... I love Winona Ryder and I don't think she would have been as good. Like I think Julia no. was the best choice here. Because look at what it started for Julia. And yeah, it might have done the same thing for Winona Ryder. But Winona Ryder was a different kind of star. Like she was more of a cult star, whereas Julia was a superstar. And, again, nothing against Winona Ryder, because, like I said, I love her. But I think Julia was the better choice. And also in the trivia, Julia Roberts, who played Shelby, and Sam Shepard, who played Spud, would play lovers in the Pelican Brief four years later. Huh. So, definitely all kinds of good stuff. I mean, we could go on and on forever. We've, we've still got 13 full minutes that we can fill up. But, okay. And if you if you haven't seen this movie, you are so missing out. And you're living under a rock. I will say there's one thing about this movie that every time I watch it just bothers me. And it does involve Olympia Dukakis. And it's not her fault. But it's very, to me, very blatant in the film. There's a scene where she's talking. I think it's the scene where they're finding out that Julia's pregnant. Because she's in Malin's house. And she is talking. And I don't know if it's the scene where she says the only thing that separates us from the animals is our ability to accessorize and she but she delivers the line and then kind of smiles and then just kind of stone-faced walks away and it's just an awkward moment in the film like they needed a better transition to get her out of the scene than what they gave and again it's nothing yeah. against her it's just The way it was played out, it's very obvious that all it was, was let's get Olympia Dukakis out of the screen so we can focus on these two. And instead of coming up with some, I mean, it's just out of nowhere, she just walks away stone-faced kind of. And it just, it's a glaring problem for me in this film, but it doesn't hurt the film in any way, shape, or form. It's just something that I notice every time I watch it. I'm
1: sitting here looking at the awards the show won. It was nominated for Best Actress in a Supporting Role, which is um, Julia Roberts in 1990 in the Academy Awards, but she didn't win it. But they did win, Julia Roberts did win a Golden Globe for Best Performance by Actress in a Supporting Role. And also, there was a nominee for Sally Field for Best Performance of an Actress in a Motion Picture for Sally Field. Um, They did win an award, let's see here, let's see right here, nominee, 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 winner, People's Choice Award um, for Favorite Dramatic Picture. It was actually tied that year for Batman, Batman 1989, Uh, so that was a tie.
0: When you said Julia was nominated for... The supporting role supporting of actress, yeah. I went and pulled up Julia's awards, and for the Academy Awards, nominee Best Actress in a Supporting Role, Steel Magnolias. Nominee Best Actress in a Leading Role, Pretty Woman. I'm going to skip one. Nominee Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role, August Osage, Osage County, which was, I thought, a really good movie. 2001, she actually won Best Actress in a Leading Role for Erin Brockovich. So she's That's been nominated for term. four. Two of them were supporting, and two of them were leading. She won for Aaron Brockovich' leading role for the Academy Awards. And, I mean, I don't know that any of them were the best performance of the year, but they were all very good performances. And, I mean, Julia's Julia, so... Again, I don't understand how people could not like her. That's the other thing about this film is you have so many super talented actresses in this. And, of course, Sally Field and Tom Skerritt would once again be married in the TV series Brothers and Sisters when it was on ABC. So, I mean, all this stuff comes back I love that show,
1: Brothers and Sisters. It was
0: phenomenal. And, of course, Sally Field, how can you not? I gotta look up and see how many Sally has won, because I know she's won before. One, two Oscars. Let's see what they were for. I know Norma Ray, because it is Norma Ray. Norma Ray was her first win in 1980 and 1985. She won her second one for Places in the Heart, which is what spawned the speech, You Like Me, You Really Like Me. Because she went from being a television actress to a two-time Academy Award-winning actress. And then, of course, she was nominated for a sporting role in Lincoln as Mary Todd Lincoln.
1: Um, kind of on the same lines, but on the different actors, did you see what Tom Cruise did this past week?
0: No. Oh, the he, donut getting in the way of the Golden Globe. He gave back
1: his awards, his Golden Globe Awards, back because of the um, racial inequality... Um, uh, been represented at the awards. He gave them
0: back. And the Golden Globes have been canceled by NBC now as well. So they will not air on NBC next year.
1: So, I mean, kudos to Tom Cruise for doing
0: that. Well, that's the thing. Tom Cruise is kind of crazy, but as far as an actor, he's very good. Oh, I
1: mean, you can't get any better.
0: I mean, oh, you can, God. but... I mean, he's... He's done some really good stuff. He's done some bad stuff, but he's done some really good stuff. And to say Tom Cruise can't act is a lie. But anyways, back to Steel Magnolias. I'm I'm just going to pull up. I'm not going to read any of them because, you know, I could sit here and quote you the best quotes from the Steel Magnolias, but there's 95 quotes from Steel Magnolias on IMDb. And... That's probably not even all of the best ones. And, of course, Claire E. has some really good ones right at the start here. Oh, and they have the, the the, the funeral monologue is actually on here. And... Uh, just so many, like I said, yeah, I see that right now. you can go through this, and you—if you've not seen the movie—go read these quotes, because oh, and the the one to
1: this. Weezer, can we just call a truce long enough for me to get a piece of cake? Weezer slices him to, This is from Drum. Slices a tall piece of of armadillo cake. And Drum goes, oh, thanks, Weezer.
0: Nothing like a good piece of ass. <laughs> well, I have to I have to make fun of one of my friends here, but there's the quote on here from Clary e., where she's talking about her nephew coming out. And she asked him, back in her day, you could kind of tell, but this day and age, you just can't tell what side of bread the, they buttered on. And she said that he told her All gay men have track lighting, and all gay men are named Mark, Rick, or Steve. And that line I have used on my friend Rick, because his ex was named Mark, and he had track lighting in his house. I was like, you are the stereotype.
1: Mark, Rick, or Steve. They all have Mark, Rick, or Steve. Yes, I remember that.
0: Yeah, there's... The, there's the locker room scene, that's on here.
1: Also, I love, I love you more than my luggage.
0: Yeah, I, I, there's some, some quotes in there that I did not quite understand. The, I love you more than my luggage, and the... Um, the... Oh, it's slipped my mind now. The the of Teeth. I didn't know the I T. Teeth one. But I think we've kind of beaten everything out of this and got to what we can get. Because, I mean, who hasn't seen Steel so, Magnolias at this point? Must be this, living one is one of our, this one is one of my favorites from
1: Truby. Honey, time marches on and eventually you will realize it's marching across your
0: face. (laughs) But, so, let's go ahead and give it the ratings and, of course, for a tribute to Olympia Dukakis, you can't get better than Steel Magnolias, which is why we're ending on this one, but, I mean, it's, it's not the perfect film, so I'm not going to give it a five. But this movie is in my top five of all time films. There's so much to love about it. So many good scenes. And like I said, the emotional roller coaster throughout. Great cast. Some of the best actresses ever on the screen right in this movie yeah. together. So I'm giving it four and three quarters because, yeah, I'm. I'm biased, but it's a fantastic movie, and I can't say enough about it. So, what you got for it?
1: I agree with you, Chris. It's, a, it's, I mean, it's full of legends. It is a cult classic at this point. Who hasn't seen this movie? Like I said, every time it comes on, I always stop and watch it, no matter where it's at in that movie. And I sit there in the door and every bit of about it. I'm going to be on the same page with you. I'm going to give it four and three-quarter stars
0: as well. So and I mean, this is, its I've put this film on before to not get interested in it because I've seen it so many times and I still get interested in it and can't stop watching it. you sit down there and you just like sucked in, so. So yeah, so what, what'd you say your rating was? Four and three quarters, you've got to be right there me. No well, again, we're pretty close to agreement for the third week in a row. I don't know, something might be getting ready to happen because we're agreeing too much here, Paul. But that brings us to the end of our Olympia Dukakis tribute. I just hope that she understands how much joy she brought to so many. And even if it's nothing more than this film, this film being the, the coup de grace, the top of your career, I mean, it says it all. It just... It's such a good film, and this is the perfect tribute to her. So, but with that, we are done this week and running out of time again, so we're going to stop there. But like I said, we could have gone on with this movie for hours and hours and still not run out of things to talk about because it is so good. And if, again, if you haven't seen it, You need to watch it. I don't know if it's streaming on anything. I think Stars was the one that had it. It was Stars. But I had the DVD, and I've watched it. Netflix has had it before, so keep watching for that. It might show up on with ads channels as well. But definitely, if you have not seen this film, do yourself a favor and watch it. And next week, I have already chosen, I told Paul, it will be Jupiter's Legacy, the new series from Netflix. Paul still has not chosen, so we will find out what Paul wants to watch and, as always, get back to you, because he's never on time. But we are out of time, so say goodbye, Paul. Goodbye. Have a good week. And until next week, goodbye, everybody.